You're listening to the podcast of Antioch East Baptist Church in Magnolia, Arkansas. This is Pastor Ron Owen. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you have any comments or inquiries, you can send those to us at aebc123 at me.com. you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 9 again, verse 15. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So it's not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to the Pharaoh, for this very purpose I've raised you up that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all of the earth. Therefore he has mercy on whom he wills and whom he wills he hardens. You will say to me then, here it is, here's our text this morning, you will say to me, somebody's going to say, he's anticipating what the question's going to be, all right? He said, you will say to me then, why does God, he still find fault for who has resisted his will? In other words, it's again the same question. Well, if that's true, aren't we? We're just all robots. And a lot of people try and, and struggle how to explain that. I don't believe that's true. But if it were, so what? He's God. He can do whatever he wants to. Now, I don't believe that's exactly what it is, but this is what he says. He raises this question, and he doesn't stammer and stutter and try to explain the person on this. You don't understand. You don't let me, let me. No. Basically, what he says is, you know, you ought to be quiet. Look at it. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault for who has resisted his will? But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel of honor and another for dishonor? What if God, wanting to show his his wrath and to make his power known, now listen, this is important, endured with much long suffering, the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he prepared beforehand for glory even us whom he called not of the Jews only but also of the Gentiles let's pray heavenly father bless the reading of your word help us to be obedient to it In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right, we're going to finish this lesson today. I I promise you we're going to finish it in good time. Uh, Our title of our message starting last week, this is part two, is God's freedom in sovereignty. We talk about God's freedom in mercy. He has mercy on whom he wills and whom he wills he hardens. But then we're going to talk about, we've been talking about uh, last week, and we're going to finish this week on God's freedom and sovereignty. That God is totally in control. He does all things. Nobody, the, uh, the, the Old Testament uh, prophet, prophet said, nobody can say to him, What have you done? 
That's basically, he's repeating this. Why have you made me like this? No one can stay his hand. He has all authority, control, and all decree in everything that happens. Brother Ron, you really believe that God is so uh, sovereign and picky that he even, he even has decreed the flutter of a butterfly's wing? I absolutely do. I absolutely do. He is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. Um, uh, he, he is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing. Uh, he is everywhere at one time. We Listen, his ways, as Job said, as the book of Job said, we have just seen the whisper of his, of his ways. Who can understand the thunder of his power? God loves his sovereignty. It's not pride. It's not arrogance. Because it's true, he is God, he's perfect, and he's righteous, and he's holy. In our text, we have this second question of this presumed inquirer. And, and Paul knows it, he says, you will say to me, I know what you're saying. Well, that's not fair. Well, that's not right. Well, that, well doesn't that just mean we're all robots? Isn't that fatalism? And so Paul cuts them off before they get to even ask this question. I'm sure he heard the questions over and over again. And this second section of Scripture is a series of questions, by the way. It's six different questions, if you've noticed. The whole thing is just a bunch of questions. And so that's the way we've divided up. Number one, we see the question of absurdity. And I've had people talk to me about these subjects we've been talking about, throw up their hands. Well, that's just fatalism. Well, we're just all robots. We're all puppets, and that's all we are in God's sight. Well, let me tell you, that's what I pray for. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. God, here's my heart. Why don't you just take Make me your puppet. Make me do what's right. Unfortunately, we don't always do what's right, which does away with your idea of fatalism. But anyway, discussing the subject of God's sovereignty and man's salvation, two questions always arise. Number one, that's not fair, is it? And number two, that's fatalism, isn't it? And I preached on that last week, so I'm going to go on quickly. Number two is the question of attitude. We talked about attitude here. Verse 20, it says, the question, he says, but indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Wait a minute. Who, who are you to accuse God? Now, Paul had an advantage over Brother Ron. He was writing directly from the words of God. He was writing Scripture. He was saying what is truth. Because he was preaching under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm preaching under the inspiration of the Spirit by, by forth telling you what Paul told us God said to him. But he's saying the same thing people are saying to me today about these things. Look at it again. But indeed, O man, he says to them back, Who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Aren't you scared to be asking the questions you're asking? Paul's response is a, a rebuke. Uh, it is we who have no understanding of who we are. We talked about this. I've got to go quicker here. And number two, it is we who have no understanding of who God 
is. In verses 14 through 18, God is referred to 14 times. In our immediate text of of six verses, God is referred to 13 times. Pronouns and direct comments about him. Uh, In uh, in verses 14 to 24, God is referred to no less than 27 times in 16 verses. He is described as the sole and sovereign creator. He is the potter. What are you doing questioning what he has said? And we went through Job and showed as, as, as Job, out of frustration and, and just fallenness, Job was not a special man. Y'all know that, don't you? He was a, a man of like passions like we are, but he just loved God. There was God was gracious and merciful to him, but he had to ask why. And so God just piles on him. He said, all right, Job, sit down, shut up, and let me ask you a few questions. You're going to question me. And he goes through, he said, have you ever measured the earth? Did you fling the stars in space? Have you expanded the universe in your hands are you the one that leashes uh, 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 the leviathan can you explain uh, behemoth can you know when uh, and he just goes through nature he goes through the universe he goes through life and he says i'm a god that knows all that because i have decreed it and job's jaw hits the floor and he said i'd heard of you with the hearing of the ears but now my eyes see you Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And I want to tell you, we talked in our Sunday school lesson today about fear of the Lord. Uh, in, in Ecclesiastes, it says the end of all things is keep his fear of God and keep his commandments. And the word fear to me, I believe, is equally can be mean believe. Because it doesn't mean to fear God like an ogre, like a mean king that's ready to pounce on anybody and kill without uh, justice. No, that's not what it means to fear him like you would fear a, a good disciplinarian parent. A parent who tells you, here's the line, don't go across it or you'll get this. And when you go across it, you get this. And when you parent like that, you show your kids how God is. When God says, the soul that sinneth it shall die... He means it, and it will happen. And today, if you're living a life of sin, if you're living in sin and you just have no care about it, no repentance in your heart, and you think God is just some granddaddy in the sky with a paddle that has a pillow on the end of it, or however you see God is, oh, he's going to forgive everything. You have this idea of this stupid, this bad book that came out a while back that uh, love wins, that everybody's going to heaven is basically the universalism. There's no hell. There's no punishment. My friend, we base what we believe about God on this book. And he says, the soul that sinneth it shall die. And he also says, though, that the one who trusts in Christ will have forgiveness of those sins and will live not because of your righteousness, but because of his. And Job said, I... I I should keep my mouth shut. I deserve what I get. And God has not deserved the rebellion and the, and the treatment he's gotten from me because he's holy and just and righteous. And then that brings us to our third and final, or not third and final, but our third question, and this is where we left off last time. I know if you're looking at your clock, I know none of y'all do. I know y'all begging for more. Every time 12 o'clock hits, it's, oh, please don't stop. I know that's the way you are. <laughs> and I, I've told y'all before, I'm not worried about y'all. It's the nursery workers that I'm worried about. 
We don't want them quitting. A question of authority. A question of authority. Look at verse 21. It says, Does not the potter have power of the clay from the same lump to make one vessel of honor and another for dishonor? We don't know who in the world God is. We don't know who in the world we are. And he says, listen, he's the potter. I told you all about when it being a little kid and going out in the clay in the, in the ditch out in front of my house. Had that old red clay and I, perfect for making. And it'd dry out a little bit. And I'd just add a little water and I'd form little men and I'd form them. And then one day I'd, pre, I'd pretend that I was a jolly green giant and I'd go. <laughs> Aren't you glad God's not like that? Now, I know you think, well, that's awfully mean to do that. I, I made that. I'm playing. It's my, my playhouse. You don't know what I'm doing, but it's mine to do with as I please. My dad owned the land. He told me I could play in it, and I made little men, and I made cars, and I made little cities, and I'd build them up as I wish. I could tear them down as I wish. And my friend, it is no different with God, but thank God he's not a silly little boy like I was. He's a loving, holy, gracious, and merciful God. But make no mistake about it, God is the authority. He is sovereign, and he's free in that sovereignty. God cannot treat you in any way and be unjust. He wants any way he wants to and be unjust. If he were to cast us all into hell, that would be fair. That would be fairness. If he wanted to save all of us, Hallelujah, he could do that. Then why do you get mad when he says, I'm just going to save some of you? He is the authority. He is God. He can do with us what he wants because we're the one that has broken his law. We deserve his wrath. We deserve his rejection. We deserve his punishment. But thank God he shows mercy and grace. He is described as a potter. Let me go on. I've got to go quick. I've said that three times. I'm going to quit saying it. We are described as vessels the potter makes. Does God not, now listen to me, does God not have the authority? Does God not have the right and the justice to take from this equally sinful lump to make vessels for drinking and eating as well as vessels for the elimination of those drinks? I think you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You need cooking pots. You need baking pans. And you need cups and you need glasses and you need silverware. But I want to tell you something. You also need privy pots. Privy pots. These were pots they would make for, for the elimination of waste. You have to have them, don't you? And used to. You wake up at 3 in the morning, as some do, and you need those facilities. Well, like some of you are sitting here today, and but our grandmas and grandpas for sure, they had some of them get up, and they'd have to walk down the way away from the house because you didn't want the outhouse right by the house, would you? Out in the cold, out in the heat, whatever, and go to the outhouse to relieve themselves. But people get smart, and they make pots, Temporary pots to stay in the house so you don't have to go outside and empty them in the morning. That's a privy pot. You got to have it, don't you? Well, that's basically what he's saying here. I 
can because you have made yourself privy pots with your sin. I can use you in that way for destruction, for, 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 for judgment, for my will, just like I did Pharaoh. You need these things. And since we are all born sinners, we are all vessels of dishonor when we're born. We're all sinners. We were conceived in iniquity and sin. Our mothers conceived us, David said. The only one capable of righteousness, justice, fairness in this scenario of making vessels of honor is God. He's the only one that can make vessels, vessels of honor. We have sinned against him, and we've ran as fast away from him as we can, but he chooses to have mercy and make his enemies his children. And if today you know Christ, you've been changed by his power, you hate your sin and you love righteousness, you desire to know him because he has changed you, fall on your face today and thank him for his grace and his mercy and his sovereign choices. Now, the last thing is a question of aim. The question of aim. Now, here's, there's one thing I can't answer is why God does what he does all the time. I can't understand. I cannot explain that all the time. There are mysteries that cannot be known until we get to heaven and God reveals them. But he reveals some. And here is one. And here's the answer. If you don't know what's the reason for this command, what's the reason for this restriction, what's the reason for this scenario, there's always one good answer to every one of them. And it's here in these scriptures specifically, and I'll show it to you. Number one, it says, the question of aim, verse 22, what if God, wanting to show his wrath and make his power known, endured with much long serving the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Number one, we see the question of aim is, God endures with much long suffering, okay, that means he didn't French fry you the first time you sinned. I hear this all the time. I've already said this already in this series. You know, God is the God of the second chance. And I believe that's usually correct. But I want to tell you something. He would be just as just and right if he was the God of no chance at all. And to say God has to give me a second chance. <laughs> like Paul, shut your mouth. What are you saying? God doesn't have to give you anything. The only thing you deserve is rejection and wrath and, and uh, separation forever. That's what we deserve. But God is merciful. And he endures with long, long that's why I said I don't believe in pre, uh, double predestination. I don't believe God chooses people to go to hell. Why does he need to choose people to go to hell when they're doing it all by themselves perfectly fine? But he endures with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. Now, the Bible doesn't say he's the one that prepared it. Maybe they are. We don't know. It doesn't say. But I want to tell you this. What he's saying is it is God that uses these people for his purpose. These vessels of wrath he's using for his purpose. And God makes known, number two, the riches of his glory. Now, listen. On vessels of mercy which he had prepared beforehand for glory. Now, right there is that one, one answer to every question you can ask about the Bible. Glory, glory. All for his 
glory. You say, well, I tell you what, that's awfully selfish for him to take all the glory. No, it's not. He's the only one that deserves it. He's the only one that deserves it. And he makes known his glory on the vessels of mercy. And he makes us glorious with him. And, and, and he says, you know what? I, my mercy is greater. I want to tell you, some of y'all, the best thing for your, your worship life is to see God punish the lost. And know it should have been you. It should have been you. I was guilty with nothing to say. And they were coming to take me away. But a voice from heaven was heard that said, Let him go and take me instead. And I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. I should have hung on that cross in disgrace. But Jesus, God's son, took my place. And I tell you, when you see God punishing the lost... Punishing the wicked. You need to say to yourself, that should be me. Why? Why has God shown mercy on you? Why? I don't, I can't answer that. He set his love on you in time past. Y'all just fall down before him and thank him and praise him and worship him for it. Let me go. Now listen to me. Stay with me. God makes known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory. He does all things to show forth his glory, to bring himself glory. God's purpose in, in this is singular. God's glory and justice on sinners. God gets glorified for punishing sinners. What is that? And everybody's hollering about it now. Have you noticed this? Everybody's hollering about justice, justice, social justice, justice. We need justice. We need justice. We need, to, oh, we need a new justice. We need just, let me tell you, nobody, I don't want to get into those issues, but I want to tell you something. This is justice. And God, he's the way, the truth, and the life. He knows the right and wrong. And one day, he's going to open these books. And he's going to judge every man that has died without Christ by the works and the commands in these books. Say, but Brother Ron, what about me? I've trusted the Lord Jesus as my Savior. Well, there's another book he's going to open and see your name in. Book of Life. God will judge the wicked, and he will get glory for his justice. I love following trials and stuff, and this last trial that was this Rittenhouse deal, and I love watching it and all that stuff. Everybody has their opinions, whether it's right or wrong or stuff. And I, I think juries have gotten it wrong before, and juries have gotten it right many times. And It's the best situation when you get sinful men in the mix. What can you do? But I want to tell you, 12, 12 o'clock, i got to finish, don't I? What can you do? Well, there's nothing you can do. Hope and pray for the best. Hope and pray for justice from God. But I want to tell you, in the end, God's going to have a court. God's going to have a day. God's going to have a judgment seat. And all the things will be open. You think video is important now in a trial? Wait till you see the video he's got. It's clear. I mean, it's the best resolution you'll ever see. My friend, he's God. He knows all. And he is right. And you better hope that he does not judge you according to your sin. But if he does, he's just, and it glorifies his sovereignty. Number two, God glories in justice on sinner. What if he wanted to show his wrath and to make his power known? 
So, so he let the wicked continue so he can make his power known. Number two, God's glory and mercy and grace on his elect vessels. Show his power known and to make known the riches of his glory on us, the vessels of mercy. This mercy and grace is justified in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Son, Jesus Christ. That's how I can be made perfect and go to heaven. Not because of me, but on March 3rd, 1976, as an eight-year-old boy, I said, Lord Jesus, save me. Come into my heart. Forgive me my sin. And God changed my life. He made me a new creature. And one day I will stand before the gates of heaven. I don't know if this is exactly what's going to happen. This is the way we always say. And God may ask, why should I let you into heaven? And I will say, because Jesus paid it all. And all to him I owe. Sin had bound me, but Jesus made me white as snow. Where's your righteousness, Ron Owen, to get into this place? In the nail scars in his hands. He gave me his righteousness, and it is enough to save a million universes. And he gave it to me. And you know what God will say? Come on in, thou good and faithful servant. Oh, so many times that's not true, but God in his mercy and grace has made me a vessel of mercy. In conclusion, y'all know how I like conclusions. Sometimes I have two or three a sermon. Just one today. I want to ask you this. We're not finished talking about this subject, but we are fixing to move on to a very exciting deal about Gentiles and Jews. And, and we're going to get under man's side of salvation in chapter 10. The greatest verse about that is whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the truth. Amen. But let me ask you this. A lot of people get scared about these issues and these things we've been talking about. They run like crazy. I want to tell you. You may be not offending some of your fellow believers and preachers and things, but you're offending God the Father because it is He who elects. It is He who predestines. So don't offend God. But let me ask you this. What is your reaction to the doctrine of God's sovereignty and man's salvation? Do you question? Are you like these invisible inquirers? Do you question that's not fair? That just makes everybody robots? That's fatalism? It's not right? Is that the way you respond to the truth of God's word so plainly put out in this Bible? The third most often used word to describe believer is elect, chosen. The same Greek word. Do you balk at that? Do you have a problem with God doing what he wants to? Or... Do you do what you ought to do? Even when you don't understand it all, and you don't have to understand it all. But the Bible says God deserves all glory and praise. That means he did all the work. He paid all the bill if he deserves all the glory and praise. That's the way we ought to react. Worshiping God for his greatness. Worshiping God for his mercy. Worshiping God for his grace. Worshiping God for his love. And if today you say, I want to be saved, I want to know Christ, good news, you can. And just like I said over in chapter 10, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
You don't have to worry about the secrets of God and who and who is not called. He says this, if you are one that will call out to me in repentance and faith, you're one of us. Come to me. He'll not reject one person who comes to him by faith. 